will be damned if the same politicians who refuse to act then are going to try to come back today. The real content of any kind of revolutionary thrust lies in the, in, in the principles and the goals that you're striving for. When the powerful use their position to bully others, we all lose. A system of justice will be the richer for diversity of background and experience. Hello, everybody. It's me, Miss Cracker. I'm here with my co-pilot, Caitlin, and it's time for She's a Woman. It's a podcast for every human being who looks into the mirror and says, She's a woman! And it's my mom's favorite podcast, hands down. Well, she has good taste. (laughs) She has excellent taste. (laughs) Every week, we talk to incredible women of all kinds from all walks of life and invite them to share their stories with you, our incredible listeners. And that's exactly what we're going to do today, Caitlin. Caitlin, I have a very special question for you today. (laughs) Okay. Now, we've kind of talked about this before because we are very goal-oriented people. You have been going on this amazing health transformation lately and i just am so fascinated because my new year's resolutions are not going that great (laughs) so i just wanted to know like what are some tricks that you use to get yourself to stick to your food plan and to stick to going to the gym every single day like how do you do it First of all, it's 9.30 in the morning. This question is a doozy. (laughs) So I've lost 55 pounds Mm -hmm. as of time of recording. Yeah. And um, in about six, seven months. Yeah. And it's kind of sort of getting through that, like, first hump of, like, when you're working hard but maybe not seeing the results yet. Yeah. You know, because I feel like the first, like, three months, it was kind of like, okay, I'm eating so well and I'm exercising and – I've lost this amount of weight, but still I don't really see it and no one else really sees it. And I don't even know if I feel different. But then once you just like, if you just keep going, you just get to a point where then the motivation comes easier because your your body has adjusted. So even if I take one day where I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to go to the gym. I'm going to pig out on pasta or something, you know, yeah. I will feel it. I'll I'll wake up the next morning and I my body just feels so like horrible. Like yeah. I just feel more sluggish. I feel less energetic. I don't know. You know what I mean? And so it sort of feeds itself. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so then it sort of just becomes I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it really does become like a lifestyle more than just like a Right. You know what I mean? This is my goals or whatever. It's like Yeah. Now this is just like I will feel worse in the morning if I am not thinking about my health. Okay, my big <laughs> takeaway here is that if you focus completely on the goal, then you're just going to intimidate yourself. But if you make a lifestyle around it, yeah. like a lifestyle around how you want to live every day, then you can do that and that will lead to your goal. But you can't just yeah. be like, wake up every morning and be like, I'm going to do this to myself. Now that I'm 37 in a few days <laughs> as of recording, oh, yeah. like, I, I, it's time. It's time to think about that stuff more because this old wagon has bummed along the road for a <laughs> long time and done pretty well I but know. I feel like I need to return the favor a little bit. I'm going to start building myself a little lifestyle around self-care. But enough about that. I want to dive right into our serious groundbreaking interview, but first I have a little treat for you. 
Every week, we do a little segment called Here's the Good News, where we share positive stories torn from the headlines. The idea is that they'll bring you, our listeners, a little hope during these difficult times. And this week, our news is all about equality. As some of you may know, in February, the House of Representatives narrowly passed the Equality Act, which would ban discrimination against people based on sexual orientation and gender identity. If this act becomes the law of the land, it could mean a huge change for queer people, especially trans people, in their workplaces, in their communities, and in their lives. According to the New York Times, a patchwork of laws has made it possible for trans people to live with a degree of safety, but only in some parts of the country. For example, here in New York, a law in 2019 was passed that bolstered protections for transgender people and banned the use of conversion therapy on children. But there's no blanket law like that that makes these protections available for everyone everywhere. And it's time for a change. Now the Equality Act is making its way through the Senate, and we have this huge opportunity to support it. It's going to be an uphill climb. Ten Republicans would need to join the Democrats to reach the 60-vote threshold needed to pass legislation under normal procedures. So we need to encourage our senators to support the act in any way we can. Talk about it, tweet about it, and most of all, call your senator. If they support the act, thank them for their support and encourage them to reach across the aisle to drum up support from the Republican side. If they don't support the act, tell them that you do and that they should too. On the 20th, I worked with Cachette and HRC on an event that encouraged audience members to call their senator. And there's still time for you, our amazing listeners, to do the same thing. And uh, we'll post some information on my Instagrams and on my Twitter about how to get involved and how to call your senator. It's such like a double-edged sword because on the one hand, I'm like, this is so amazing. I hope it gets passed so that the trans people in our country can have protection. On the other hand, it's like, oh my gosh, it's 2021 and this still isn't a thing. We have to hope that it, you know, that we can make it happen and that it's a step forward. Yeah. I want everyone to understand that this really affects all of us. If we live in a country where discrimination is allowed against anyone, it is not only just a slippery slope, but uh, a humiliation and a reflection on who we are as a country. But enough about that. Let's take a little break. Okay, we're back. Now, before we continue, let me say this. If you enjoy your time with us today, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We love reviews. In fact, we love them so much, we're going to read some of our favorite reviews at the end of the show. But now, Caitlin, it's time for our amazing interview with a truly incredible person. And can you tell me a little bit about how you heard about our guest? Well, like the middle-aged mom that I am inside, um, I watch the Today Show every morning. <laughs> and they had a little segment on her and how she's making history in the NASCAR world. And I thought it was super interesting with how young she is. And so I was like, I think she'd be a perfect guest for us. Yeah, I think she is too. And I can't wait to dive in. 
All right, everybody. I am so excited to welcome Tony Bridinger. She is an American professional stock car racing driver. She competes part-time for Young's Motorsports in both the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, driving the number 82 Chevrolet Silverado, and the Arca Menard Series, driving the number two Chevrolet SS. With her first race in the truck series, she officially made history as the first ever Arab American female driver to participate in any NASCAR national series, according to NASCAR. So, Tony, thank you so much for joining us today. Where are you? What are you doing today? Hi, thank you for having me on. I'm currently in California, which I love because I'm usually on the East Coast, but I'm out here for a couple days. So, I have a busy day ahead of me, but I love it out here. I'm excited. Okay, you have a photo shoot scheduled for today? Yes, I'm really excited. It's for my sponsor. I can't say who yet, but for Talladega. So it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. I'm really excited for both of the sponsors I'm gonna be having on my car next weekend. Is that just your life now? Do you just do photo shoots and run around and do podcasts and interviews? I'm just like picturing your life right now. Um, I try to split it like 50-50 between like training and racing and then like doing like the press and the social media and like the photo shoots and all that stuff because I do think it's important to balance it. That's a lot to be doing. Now, last year caused a huge pause in everyone's life. And I know what it meant for me. It meant that I was not able to perform and I was doing all of my drag shows digitally, like in my living room, (laughs) you know, wearing high heels on the carpet. But I, I wonder what it meant for you as a professional stock car racing driver. Was it just constant training and practice that you were doing to fill your time? Yeah, so definitely last year was crazy and it did put things on hold. So for us, like I wasn't even really allowed to test for the most part on a racetrack, which is really hard because if you're an athlete and like, let's say you play basketball, you can go shoot some hoops outside. But with racing, we couldn't even rent a track for like a portion of the time. Um, So it was hard. I have. Yeah. So it was really hard to get practice in and just kind of like stay behind the wheel. But I have a simulator and that was really big last year since we couldn't get on the track. But, you know, nothing's the same as when you're actually out there on the track. But I did make sure to keep up with like my workouts and the eye racing and all that kind of stuff. But nothing beats being like actually on the track. Wait, I want to know about this simulator. Yeah. (laughs) Who owns it? How do you how do you get to it? Is it basically like a a high tech video game? Yeah, pretty much. And I have one in my apartment, which came in super handy during quarantine. And then my team also has one at their shop that's a little bit fancier than mine. But it's very cool. It's basically called iRacing and they scan the tracks. So it's literally like if there's a bump in the track at Daytona, you're going to feel that on the game. So it's just crazy exact. And it's really amazing. They have every type of car on there and pretty much like every single track that I'm racing at this year. So it's a really great way to prepare. See, this is why I love doing this podcast because I feel like I learn something new every time I do an interview and I feel like I'm getting a glimpse into your world and it's absolutely amazing. So Now that things are opening up a little bit, is there something that you haven't been able to do that you're really looking forward to doing? I think right now I'm just excited to be able to start traveling a little bit more. I'm still being like cautious because obviously the pandemic is still going on. Um, But I think it's just exciting to travel and I'm excited for when they can like allow fans and like fan interaction. I still love that. I just think it's so fun to actually meet people. Thankfully with social media, people have been still able to interact with me a little bit, but I'm excited to have like fans in the stands just changes the energy. Oh, absolutely. There's nothing like having, I mean, for me as a performer, there's nothing like having the energy 
of an audience that's actually there. It gives you all this adrenaline. And I'm sure when you're in the simulator, it doesn't give you the same sense of that moment. And I think for me doing digital drag shows, it's kind of like my version of the simulator. Like, I guess I can see the audience members on Zoom, but it's not, it doesn't give me that same that same rush and excitement. So I totally feel you on that. I'm looking forward to seeing fans too. Okay. I want to talk about your fans and your current life right now, but everybody, it's time for me to do my favorite thing and press rewind a little bit. As I always say, one of my favorite things to do is hear the stories of incredible women from the very beginning. And Tony, I understand you started racing with your twin sister in go-karts. Yes. At nine. So can you talk a little bit about that, the the beginnings of your racing life and how it all came about? Yeah, so pretty much um, I started racing in go-karts and just one day um, we were, it was like winter break. So me and my sister weren't doing much. We were just playing whatever games, Barbies, something like that. And, mm-hmm. my, da- and my dad called us into his office and he's like, hey guys, like, do you want to go go-kart driving? Just like take a little class. And we were thinking Mario Karts and we're like, yeah, sure. Like that sounds fun. But I had no idea what to expect. And we went up to Sonoma Raceway that weekend. And I was like, this is it. This is a go-kart. And um, I had no idea what I was doing. I've never even hit a gas pedal before. So it was this whole new learning experience, but I just fell in love with it. And my sister did too, which was perfect. And we begged our dad to get a go-kart and he got us one go-kart and we just went up every weekend. It was just this cute little family thing and just like away from my dad to spend time with his daughters. And we just stuck with it. And now it's evolved into me actually being a race car driver. Yeah. It's so incredible. I've been listening to your interviews about that origin story. And I think it's so beautiful because not many people can point to the moment where it all started. And you like literally know the day that it all began, you know? Yeah, definitely. And it's it's crazy because I feel like I go through so many phases. I'll be like on one thing and then like totally go through a different phase. But this is like the one thing in my life that I was like, no, like this is what I'm doing. And I've just like stuck with it. Um, so it's cool to like be able to find your passion early on for sure. Now, when you say you have other things that you've gone through phases with, like what what are some of the things that you do outside of r- racing to keep yourself from going nuts? Like, do you have hobbies that you do to soothe yourself? Because like you're in a pretty high pressure career. So mm-hmm. there must be something you do to relax. Yeah. So I feel like when I was younger, I did like more stuff on the side. Like when I was in high school, I did like a little bit of cheerleading. And then I like to like go on hikes and all that kind of stuff, more like outdoorsy stuff. But for mm-hmm. me now, I feel like my schedule has been so busy, just like sitting by the pool, drinking a smoothie is just like my way to like relax now and just kind of take a deep breath. But yeah, for me, I just like love to just hang out with friends just kind of like chill out. I don't really have any current hobbies that I'm super into. You know what? I was looking at my producer, Caitlin, when you said pool and smoothie, and I think you just (laughs) gave us a goal. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so good right now. Uh, Some of our listeners know, but right now we're in the studio in the district in the Bronx where all of the recycling and garbage is sorted. So we're like in the least picturesque place in the world and we could really (laughs) use a pool and a smoothie. I know I want bananas in mine, Caitlin. Um, (laughs) Now, Tony, 
I wonder, like, it sounds like your family was pretty supportive of your dream. Were there were there any people that thought you were a crazy person for having being so young and having this very specific dream? Oh, yeah, all the time. I don't think anybody would have thought that, like, I've, even my dad, like, I would tell him, like, like, after, like, if I won a race, I'd be like, did you think I was going to win? He'd be like, no, not at all. So, like, there's a lot of people that are, like, realistic. I feel like my mom's a dreamer like me, so she's always been, like, my biggest supporter and been like, yeah, you can do this. You can do whatever you want. But for the most part, especially, like, in school, like, I was missing so much school. The teachers were like, uh, I don't know if we're good with this. I'm like, no, like, it's going to be worth it one day. It's cool to finally kind of show people now instead of just like talking about it. it's like this is what I'm doing and people can like actually see I'm doing something it's not just me kind of um talking about it so it's cool to kind of <laughs> show people hey like I'm actually kind of going somewhere <laughs> yeah absolutely now when your sister Annie headed off to Purdue University in Indiana you chose to forego college and pursue your dream of becoming a NASCAR driver in North Carolina so I I, I just want to be educated here. Can you talk about the path to becoming a race car driver? Like, what were the steps that, like, brought you from, you know, go-karts to uh, to NASCAR? Like, what are the what are the, the steps? Yeah, so it was really, like, a 12-year process. Um, so it's kind of, like, hard to condense it all. But pretty yeah. much, like, after go-karts, my next step was figuring out what I wanted, what kind of race car I wanted to go into next. Because there's so many different forms of motorsports. You know, there's NASCAR, Formula One, IndyCar, and so many others. So then I really had to decide, like, what do I like, what do I want my career to be? So I tried a few different types of race cars. And then my dad ended up getting one. And he has experience. Um, he has a degree in mechanical engineering, which is perfect. So he was always able to work on my race cars. Wow. Um, so yeah, so he got me a race car. And it was just him working on it on the weekends and going racing with me. And from there, I was like, you know what, I want to go stock car racing. I saw my first stock car race ever. And I was like, this is it. I want to go stock car racing. And I just knew that you had to move to Charlotte, North Carolina to go stock car racing and just kind of where all the teams are out of. So yeah, I kind of set that goal early on and you really have to make connections and it's hard being out on the West Coast, not really where racing super big. So I was like, you know, what? I kind of Honestly, I kind of just took a leap and moved out there without even knowing anybody or what I'm doing. I just knew that I wanted to race out there. So I just moved out there, made some connections, found some teams to work with. And yeah, I kind of kind of went out there not really knowing exactly what was going to happen, but it all worked out. That's really incredible because I think that a lot of people, including myself, think that you have to see the steps ahead of you and like know what you're doing next. But sometimes it's okay to have a dream and just take a wild leap and be like, all right, I'm just going to throw myself in the way of the dream and see if it, if it hits me. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I did when I moved to New York. I didn't even know. I knew I wanted to be involved in, in the arts. I wasn't sure how. And I just was like, all right, I'm going to go to New York and see what picks me up and takes me for a ride. And and the, I guess it was drag. <laughs> drag is what Amazing. found me. So now anyone who knows me personally knows that I'm not allowed to drive. <laughs> and <laughs> it sounds like I've heard in interviews that you are no good with directions and you're not allowed to drive either. But you excel on the racetrack and it's a talent <laughs> and it must be so exhilarating. And I'm wondering, like, can you tell me a little bit about 
what the experience of of racing is like like what draws you to it about the experience of racing itself yeah so i feel like racing is really hard to kind of like relate to because like when you're watching your race you're just watching the cars go around on the track like you're not seeing everything that's going inside the car you're not hearing everything that i'm hearing and seeing so it's kind of hard to relate to it i feel like a lot of people just think it's just kind of like going down the highway but it's so different but i understand how it's hard to relate to but it's just crazy when you're in the car you're obviously going really fast like at Daytona, we're going 180 miles per hour, which is the fastest I've ever been. And you're going really fast. You're just inches away from other cars. You have very little time to react to anything. And you can't move when you're in the car. Like it's not really good for somebody to get that gets claustrophobic because I'm in this like custom fitted seat and it like fits me like a glove. Like I can't move. The only thing I can move is really my hand on the steering wheel and like my head, like the smallest amount. So you're just really just in there. You're just looking forward, listening to your spotter and your crew on the radio. They're giving you information. You have to give them information back while there's a bunch of stuff going on in front of you. And it's hard to turn the wheel. They're heavy cars and it's hot. I literally got a blister at Daytona on my foot. It was like the most painful thing when I was racing. So there's just like a lot that goes on in those cars, but I love it. Like I know it sounds like torture right now, but I just love how competitive it is and it just gets me in this like super just like hyper focused zone and I feel like when I'm racing just like nothing else matters like everything else that's going on in my life doesn't matter I'm just focused on winning or whatever's going on in front of me during the race I understand that thrill also and I now that you've explained it a little bit I feel Mm -hmm. like I can you're kind of like an astronaut and I can kind of see that (laughs) like you know you're just like blasting off but you've also been in like multi-car pileups on the track. You've broken your arm on the track. And what is that like? And how do you stay brave in the face of all that risk? Yeah, honestly, I feel like you just can't think about it too much. You just really have to, like, I feel like when I'm racing, I just flip this switch in my mind. Cause like in my day-to-day life, I'm such a baby about so many things. I'm scared of heights, scared of roller coasters, Same. all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but when I'm racing, I kind of like get in this mindset that I'm like invincible in a way. And Mm. um, you just really have to flip the switch. Like I become like just this aggressive driver and I'm just like super easygoing in real life. So I think it's just something you can't really think about too much. Like the last race at Phoenix, we got involved in a wreck early on. And I remember I was just so mad and like, everybody's like, you have to go to the medic center. And like the ambulance was like, no, we have to pick you up. I was like, no, (laughs) leave me alone. I'm good. I want to go back out there. But yeah, I just feel like when I'm driving, I don't know if it's just me (laughs) being naive, but I'm just like, think I'm invincible in a way. And I just don't really think about I'm more I'm more concerned right. for my car if I'm wrecking. I'm like, no, like I don't want my car to get damaged. I want to keep racing. Oh my God. <laughs> so, this is a question that you obviously get a lot, but I think it's an important one for mm-hmm. our listeners. Racing is viewed as a man's domain. And you've had experiences where announcers have made comments about your gender that infuriated you. And I was wondering, can you talk a little bit about the the experience of being a woman in a male-dominated field? Like, I know that you, you personally see that the track has no gender, the car has no gender, mm. but, like, not everybody is as enlightened as you are about that. Yeah, I do experience, like, a lot of people will make, like, sexist comments. Like, honestly, every weekend I'll hear some sort of sexist comment at the track, on social media. It's always around. And I feel like you really just have to be, like, have, like, the mindset yourself. Like, you have to just kind of not care what other people perceive you as or what other people are saying. You really just have to be confident in yourself and know what you're here to do and how you think of yourself. Like, 
other people can think that I'm a girl, but I don't. And I'm the one driving the car and kind of like, you know, paving my path. I'm not going to let other people kind of affect where I'm going. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just important to just have like a strong mind. And like, if somebody says a comment to me for the most part, I barely ever notice it. Cause I'm just in my own zone. When I'm at the racetrack, I'm focused. And like, usually, usually I'll have like a friend be like, Whoa, I can't believe they said that to you. And I'm like, honestly, I wasn't like, I didn't even think of it. Like I'm just so right. focused in my zone. I don't care what other people are saying. I know what I'm here to do. A lot of our listeners, as I, I said to you a little bit before we started recording are young women. And I think that's, a really important message for them to hear that if you have a goal and a dream, those voices will not even be heard. And I think that's really beautiful. Do you, do you get a lot of feedback from young fans of, you know, of any gender that, that you inspire them? I've been getting a lot of messages from fans saying that I'm really inspirational, but hearing that like really inspires me. And I know they don't realize that, but it's really amazing to get the kind of feedback that I've been getting. I honestly, um, I didn't expect any feedback. I didn't think people would really care um, what I'm doing because for me, this is this has been my life for 12 years and it's kind of like my typical thing. But it's cool that my story is kind of standing out to people. And it's really cool to see that I can even just inspire somebody the smallest amount. In my studio here, I have like all my fan art from my fans and letters from my fans on the wall. And I, I hope that they understand that they inspire me as well a huge amount because... Like sometimes you and I are both people that are following their dreams. Mm -hmm. So sometimes your dream is super strong and it's right there with you holding your hand and pushing you through. But there are, are some days when your dream just seems so distant mm -hmm. and you're so uninspired. And then I look up at like the letters and the, the images that my fans have given me. I'm like, okay, I, I'm, if it's not for me today, it's for the fans. You know, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep doing yeah. stuff, you know. Another thing that you have faced is the lack of diversity in racing, not just when it comes to gender. As a woman of Lebanese descent, do you feel that you've been welcomed by the community? Yes and no. You know, I've seen some negative comments about me being in NASCAR saying I don't belong there and just kind of like racist stuff. But for the most part, I feel like the people at the track, I feel like I'm in a spot where they respect me as a driver. At least I hope they do. And yeah. um, again, it kind of circles back to where I don't see myself as any different. Like, and I don't see anybody as any different. If somebody's of different race or gender, anything from me, I don't see them as different. I'm like, okay, we're all drivers here. Yeah. I think it just kind of circles back to just knowing who you are and knowing what you're here to do. And like the only, like you're your own worst enemy. So if you have those voices in your head, it will affect you. But if it's other people saying things, then you can really just be strong-minded and not let it affect you. You just have to be like, confident in yourself and just know what you're here to do. And also now you are the winningest female driver in the United States Auto Club competition with a record of 19 victories. So, you know, whatever people say about you, there's that. <laughs> do you ever yes. feel you've had like a lot of success in your, your young life? And do you ever feel pressured by all your success? Like, do you ever feel like it intimidates you to like be your own competition? You know, I kind of feel like for me, like people will be like, Oh, you're so successful. And I'm like, I haven't achieved anything yet. Like, I feel like I have so many bigger goals. And like, even for me, like after I won a race, like everybody would be like, so happy. I'm like, no, like now it's time to focus on the next one. So I don't really focus on like past successes. I just have like, I always have like a new goal and a new thing that I want to achieve. And that's kind of what I'm more focused on. I don't really 
pay attention to the past. It's like, yeah, that's cool. That's amazing. But now I want to do this and I want to achieve this. Okay. That's a great attitude check and something that I'm <laughs> going to keep in mind for myself now. Because yeah, I think for, for me personally, I do. Like if I do something great, I'll be like, oh my God, that was so good. How am I going to top that? But I, I think you're right. It's better to just be like, what excites me? Yeah. Um, that I can do next so I can just think about that and not be looking back. Exactly. So I guess I want to ask you what I ask all my guests, which is what is the next big dream for you? What's the goal that you want to achieve that you're like, all right, this is what we're, for lack of a better word, driving towards right now? Yeah. So for me, like I set goals for every race, like going into Talladega for me, if I can get a top 15, I'll be really happy with that. Um, but then I also have like my really big goals, which is to get to the NASCAR Cup Series, which is the top level of NASCAR, which is not going to be anytime soon, but it's something that I'm working towards every day. So I kind of have different goals. I have like my short term ones that I set. And then I even have goals that I set for every day. Like I write in my journal every morning and I kind of write Same. down like a list of goals. And so even if it's like a small goal, it's just like, it's so nice to just have something to like cross off a list and like set your mind to do it, cross it off. And it just, it's nice. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so interesting. Like, so you, you have big goals, but you make bite-sized ones so that you exactly. can. Oh, that's so cool. Like I know, I, and I've seen in some of your interviews, you're like for this race, you know, this is where I want to place and this is where I want to. So you're like, you're very specific about it and you, you know where your, where your skills are and how you can push them. And specifically every time that's really, that's really incredible. I think that if I made my goals a little more bite-sized instead of just making them so huge, Caitlin's shaking her head, um, then, then maybe like it would be a little bit easier for me. And that's a really great thing for our listeners to hear too. Like sometimes it's about what you're doing every day. And Caitlin and I were talking about this earlier, your, your lifestyle and not about making some massive goal and then punishing yourself every day you don't get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Yes. So. Tony, thank you so much for talking to us this morning. This has been a really amazing interview. And also, frankly, I see how much we have in common. Like, I thought that it was going to be, I'm like, oh, I'm a drag queen. You're a race car driver. Like, where are our worlds going to meet? But we have a lot of amazing things in common, which is that makes me so happy. And I feel like I'm going to be w watching you now and rooting for you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And yeah, it's cool to see. I feel like, you know, I feel like everybody, like no matter what like industry you're in, like everybody can relate to like what you're going through when it's like comes to like setting goals and just like feeling like certain emotions. I feel like everybody could kind of relate to certain things. Um, so yeah, it was really great talking to you. Thank you so much, Tony. All right, Crates, that was our interview for the day. What did you think? It was a good one. It's so interesting because I think about this often, how each like profession or career or even hobby has its own like like little like niche world full of different rules and and community that yeah. we don't even know about. But then when you put it side by side, like it's not that different. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like I was thinking NASCAR and drag, you just when you hear those things next to each other, you think, oh, those worlds there's nothing in common there. You know, those two pathways are totally different. You just think of it as totally different. But then when you kind of hear about some of her goals and just sort of like certain discriminations she faces or the zone she's in, you're like, oh, it's not that different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It kind of reminds me of like, for example, you and I would go to drag shows and it's a queen 
that has people that follow her and they sit in the audience and they watch and they cheer her on and they've come to support them. And then we leave and we go to the stand-up comedy world. And it is a comedian and the people that support them and cheering them on. Yep. And then we go to a hip-hop battle yeah. And it was like a hip hip hop artist and the people that support them, and so it's just like these little these little worlds. But as w- what it comes down to is that you have people just doing following their dream and the people that love them, and that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I used to have a friend from college who he was like into he got into wrestling. He wanted to like produce wrestling shows, and yeah. was kind. And at first, I was kind of like, "What?" And he and that was around the same time I was getting into drag. And like, weirdly, we could have full on conversations. And even though we didn't know anything about the other world, but it was like, there was just all these similarities and sort of like, you know, wrestling is kind of a performance. It's kind of a show that there's like wrestlers who are like, you know, sort of like, I could compare it to the drag queens who are on the stage doing their show and sort of like the trickle down of the community and who runs things. And there's wrestler, there's promoters for wrestling. You know what I mean? It's just interesting because you just think it all is so different. Yeah. But really, nobody is unique. (laughs) Nobody is unique. No, but like, no, really. It's a double-edged sword. Nobody is unique. (laughs) Nobody is unique, but everybody... can relate to everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, our minds are working mm. so hard because <laughs> it's like ten in the morning, and we're <laughs> we're not used to being. I up know, at this time. but now I'm realizing you were talking to Tony, and she's in LA. Oh my God! And so it's like seven in the morning for her, and she was so much more alert than us. <laughs> oh, I mean, she is like she is so polished. When yeah. I edit this podcast, I'm gonna have almost nothing to do because she just is like. What's the what's the microphone version of camera ready? Do you know what I mean? Right? She, yeah, she's yeah. just ready for it. Audio so, ready. <laughs> yep. So thank you so much to Tony for that amazing interview. But now it's time for us to take a little break. Okay, we're back. Now, first of all, I want to say this again. If you liked your time with us today, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We love reviews, almost as much as we love the BMX bikes that always go past our studio (laughs) right in the middle of an interview. In fact, we love reviews so much, we're going to read some of our favorite ones right here at the end of the show. Caitlin, do you have a favorite review this week? I do. It says... Is there anything she can't do? What? (laughs) This podcast is everything. I am so inspired by all of the amazing women and their fascinating journeys along the course of womanhood. This podcast has made me fall in love with Ms. Cracker more and more. Yay! (laughs) It's a nice one. Yeah, it's a really nice one. Uh, someone said, uh, Miss Cracker is just living her life with this She's a Woman podcast. I'm like, you're, you're damn right I yeah, am. I'm yeah. really living my life. <laughs> and uh, um, we've got some great feedback from one of our friends that says her friends listen and they That's love right. it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like her friends in LA that we've never even met. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I love great. That. Yeah. <laughs> we love that. So thank you so much for that review. And uh, can't wait to share more reviews next week because now Caitlin it's time for my favorite part of the show the credits this podcast was produced by Caitlin Gretham and then I did it the cast includes me and also Caitlin and it is distributed by the amazing studio 71 
So thank you for joining us today. Make sure to tune in next Monday for another exciting episode. And remember, if you ever feel down, all you have to do is look in the mirror and say, she's... Oh, I, I'm tired. I zoned out. Okay. Uh, all you have to do is look in the mirror and say, she's a woman. And I'll be with you. Oh, my goodness. This coffee is not enough for us today. No, I don't know what what's wrong with me. It's just like, we're like, You can oh. see me sitting here like. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. A thousand yard stare. Like, it's just me. Uh,